Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Caged In, as ever brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective and hosted by me, Petros Patsilovus. In these fast-moving times, we need content to constantly keep us up to date and feeling relevant. And as creators, we must provide that. So with a scheduling conflict and a constant fear that I will drift off into the never of the internet that need to provide weekly content, a new episode for you every time. I'm here this week with a mailbag episode. I'm not going to do it alone. I've got a little bit of help to rummage around in the sack and answer some questions that you guys have set forward to me. Joining me is a man who's been on his own journey to enlightenment to reach what he calls true cage nirvana. Oh, is that the front door? That must be him now, with a sack full of questions from all you lovely listeners. Let me open the door and see see who it is. Oh, it's only Daryl Edge. How are you, Daryl? Oh, the strike's over. Your boy's back, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Whoa, whoa, wait a second, Mr. Postman. That looks like you've got a heavy sack you're carrying there, uh, Daryl. Oh, and I've gone blue in the face carrying this load around, and I'm ready to disperse it up in your audiological nethers. What a treat. What a treat for you all. So how how, how are we going to tackle this, Daryl? I put this out to a few different places. I put this out to Twitter, Instagram, and um, I'm, I'm not sure if you know of this this app, but it's called N- NGL. It's a, it's a kind of app where you can it feels like, it very much feels like to me an app where they are harboring your data and your information that you pump through this app to kind of, I don't know, blackmail you because you can get anonymous questions from people. You see it a lot with, anytime I see a woman like post this link on her Instagram, you see some of the responses she gets because they're anonymous. It's just absolute filth from rotters going like, you know what, I fancied you for years and I'm, oh, I want to do some disgusting things to you. But yeah, I, I, I yeah. use I, I this. Didn't, didn't get any of that because uh, I'm a 31-year-old balding man. So I don't think anyone is 
having disgusting fantasies about me. But um, yeah, how 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 do, how do you want to tackle this? Should we should we should we flick between the different the different platforms to to get through some of these questions? Because let's let's be honest, some of the ones on NGL are pretty fucking weird and specific. Well. As the second 31-year-old man in this conversation, no one's asking about our OnlyFans page, <laughs> and rightfully so. Um, yeah, I think we flip between the three. I think we careen and ricochet like the proverbial pinball machine, and we uh, we see where this mailbag takes us. We'll see how far down the Hessian sack we can grab post from and see uh, what we can pull up to the, pull up to the, uh, the surface. Right, so as yeah, as as my guest, do you want do you want to pick one out of the sack first of all, and then we can get to it? Lovely. Let's have a look here. Um, I mean, the NGL ones. There was a lot of you know. I think we we discussed this a lot of potential bot questions. Yes. Uh, not necessarily so much cage related. I think there's one that we can. We can crowbar and make it cage-related. Um, worst movie you've ever watched? Yes, we can. We can. We can make that cage-related. Do you want to? Do you want? Do you want? Do you want to start off on a bad note? Then we're going to go for. We're going to go for worst movie off the bat. Worst movie ever watched. Oh, this is the thing. There's 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 a sort of beauty about um, a bad movie. There's there's something just. Maybe this just says more about me as a person, but there's something just delightful about like an absolute grot bag of a film. I think we're talking about worst cage movies. Now, obviously, I'm of, I'm of the opinion that he's never made a bad movie. <laughs> so I have to rephrase this as what is the least good movie <laughs> he's, he's ever made. Um, and I feel like I've said this before, um, but I think I'd have to go with Left Behind. I think it's the only Cage movie to date where I've had to pause this, just rub like my my fingers across my eyes, and and I audibly I just went, oh fuck. Um, but and yet it's a movie that I still remember. Well, that so that is the thing about that film is that I'm not sure if it does fall into that so good it's so bad it's good camp just because like it is. It's really poorly made. There's plot holes throughout the wazoo. It's got probably the worst Photoshop ever with that family photo. Like, Oh, Christ, yeah. I know exactly <laughs> the one you're talking about. Him and, him and Marty McFly's mum from Back to the Future never met. And you can tell that from that photo. It is, it is, it is goddamn awful. <laughs> and I think the thing that, that like kind of, I don't know, really tickles me the wrong way about that film is that it's 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 this kind of religious propaganda as well, and kind of like I don't know, it's all a bit like it's all a bit icky for me, and, and and the fact that what there's a new one come out. Have you seen Have you seen that there's a new Left Behind film, and uh, it stars Kevin Sorbo, old. Um, oh fuck off, Sorbo! Yeah. <laughs> fuck off, Hercules Look, we, himself. We all enjoyed you on Channel Five as Hercules. All right, we all enjoyed a Herculean adventure. And then you got Twitter and shit all on on your legacy. Um, fucking Sorbo. I think I saw I saw one of the things like that. I think I saw the poster for it. You, you know, you just 
blindly scrolling through social media. My brain didn't even comprehend it. I was like, I recognize Left Behind. That's Hercules. What? Scroll, scroll, <laughs> scroll. Didn't have time to process it at all. Um, part of me wants to watch it. I, I know I never will. I know I never will. I think, I mean, if it ends up like the first one, the most baffling thing for me, you know, I suppose fair play to the people who negotiate these deals and whatever, but the most baffling thing to me when I watched it is that it was on actual Netflix. This was just a film you could watch on actual Netflix. Yeah. I don't know if it's still there, but um, I don't know. Netflix will commission anything. Well, and it's 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 a rare one that is a film that shares shares some DNA with the with Taken in the the kind of driving force of what people want is to go to Europe and watch you two, which is Christ. <laughs> If if we've learned anything from cinema, it's if you're ever invited to watch U2 in Europe, don't fucking go. Because either you'll be you will be stolen or you will uh you will, you know, enter the apocalypse. <laughs> so You'll be you know. the damned on planet Earth. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I and I, I have to share a surname with a band member of the of U2 as well. Um I, I will stress that me and the edge. <laughs> no, no relation. Don't know the man. No. Not Uncle The. You haven't got not Uncle un- The. <laughs> not Uncle Mr. The. Um, you know, the artist formerly known as Edge. You know, had to, you know, we, we, we all have to take first names now because The was taken. <laughs> uh, reprobate The Edge. Um, weirdly, I think you two are actually my, my uncle's favourite band. I always <laughs> knew there was something off about him that I didn't like. Uh, if, you, if you're listening for some reason, um, Andrew, then it, you know, it, it's banter, just a bit of banter. Um, yeah, doesn't does it's Cage? I'm trying to remember this. Like Cage has like jet black hair in this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 not his best look. I, no. I, I think I think it's it's one of his worst because he. As somebody who kind of never seems to just turn up and take a paycheck, this is the one film where it really does feel like that. Like I think he could have easily have been replaced with a cardboard cutout of himself <laughs> and it would be just as kind of gripping. So Isn't like, this one that he basically did it as a favour for his brother? Yeah, I think um, one of his brothers is yeah religious and he's kind of a fan of the books. Yeah, I think it was Mark, yeah. maybe. I mean... You know, we we will sort of sing Cage's praises and defend him until the cows come home. But also, never let it be said that he's not a family man and he's not a team player. He will take one for the team, and I, you know what, absolutely respect it. Don't know that I would have done the same. No, 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 no. I've, yeah, I've, 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 I think that's a fair one. I think some honourable mentions of some some stinkers. I think uh, Rage or Tokarev. That's that's kind of not really cutting the mustard. Um, Bangkok Dangerous really interesting premise just kind of really really shonkily put together and uh, it's not I'll talk about bad posters as well yeah it's kind of it's kind of some uh, some (laughs) defies the laws of physics what what his hands are doing and like what's going on yeah that's uh, it's it's not it's not good stuff it's like what what is going on here (laughs) It's like a Christopher so can, Nolan movie in a poster. You're just, what the fuck is going on? I'm confused. I know he's like grey scales or orange streaks in the background. Speaking of defying the law of physics, his hair 
yes. in this movie. I mean, I sort of joked about it before and just never got around to it, just trying to make a definitive list of, like, best to worst Nicolas Cage hair in all his movies. And I think Bangkok Dangerous is always going to be in the, the, the contender for a worst of the worst Cage hair. That, that on Next, another film that, like, I think... I remember when I watched Next for the podcast was kind of violently against it just because it has, like, one of the ultimate cop-out endings ever. And, like, that kind of really oh. rankled me at the time. And I was like, oh, fuck this film. Like, fuck everything this is about. And I think the fact that that's got some great talent in it and a kind of great premise and it's just squandered. So, like, I think that yeah. one upset me. Yeah, I remember talking about um, next on my podcast, me and my guest Mike Reed at the time. We was we were sort of saying, um, you know, it's a it's one of those films that is um, up until the last minute and that fucking ending, surprisingly good, a mm. good premise if you ignore his hair. And I said it's one of those where, like, I think this, if they try to revisit the property now, I think as a TV series, there's like mileage in oh the cop that or the detective that can see into the future kind of thing. It's like I think there's some mileage in that. Um, yeah, but the ending ending was just an absolute cop out. Um, it was sort of, um, I'm trying to think. I mean. The films where Nicolas Cage has bad hair do more often than not turn out to be all right. Like, I think, like, Drive Angry as well. That was a film I thought was going to be not the absolute drizzling shits. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be, but I enjoy enjoy Drive Angry. Like, I still don't understand the ending. I know we've talked about this before. (laughs) I don't know why he just pretended to die so he didn't have to look after a kid, (laughs) which is which is just incredible to me. And there is there is a kind of pantheon of like so bad they're great Nicolas Cage films I guess what one of them we've talked about here on this podcast is Deadfall yes (laughs) like yes it kind of really defies everything and like for all its shortcomings it's great and it's really fun and rewatchable and Cage kind of steals the day with an absolute cuckoo bananas performance as yeah yeah To this day, I still don't really know why the why the hell he was shouting about Sam fucking Peckinpah. <laughs> That's you know, I think you have to accept at a certain point in your life in your life, some questions aren't meant to be answered. Yeah, him and Quentin uh, Tarantino always gone Sam fucking Peckinpah. They just love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, let, let's stay on this train of these NGL questions, and I'm gonna get the, the first one we got asked was tell me a random fact and. I just wanted to take this to to share a fact about Nicolas Cage that I always love, and some of you may know this and might not might not know all of the details. But Nicolas Cage, at one point in his life, owned a dinosaur skull, and he bid for this dinosaur skull and won the bid against the one and only Leonardo DiCaprio. But that is not all. That is not all. Once, once Cage owned this, owned this skull, there was a twist in the tale because he was contacted years later to say that that skull was the property of the country of Mongolia and was actually stolen. Cage had to return said stolen skull to Mongolia, which is an absolute. It's a kind of national treasure film in itself, right? It's kind of like <laughs> national treasure in the Mongolian skull. Like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think if they ever did, um, you know, like a mini series documentary about Nicolas Cage, there'd be a whole episode on his purchases. Um, just a quick Google. I mean, this is one of those stories that gets covered like every three to five years or something. But um, they said it was about two hundred seventy-six thousand dollars, one hundred eighty-six thousand pounds um back in 2007 so at the time of recording it's been about 15 16 years since skullgate happened mm-hmm. so you know i fully support um anyone's right to buy a prehistoric animal skull um legally of course and not stolen from a country i hope at one point in his life he's able to replace that skull um with an animal of his Choosing again, legally and ethically sourced. I'm not. I'm not saying that Nicholas Cage is a poacher. <laughs> you know, like there was that like fake picture of like he was in Steven. primal. He was in primal. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I put some experience into that one. <laughs> you know, you know, quickly sidetracking back to films that I actually enjoyed that I thought were going to be absolute drizz. Uh, primal. I really yeah. enjoyed Primal. It's coming um, on a boat. It's con air on a boat. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got, it's like, how many properties has he got? He's got one in Bath. Um, yeah, I think a lot of these have been sold. He owned like the, the I think it's like the Laurie house in New Orleans. And the reason for buying that is he said he wanted to write the, the great American horror novel. So bought the most haunted house in America. And then uh, didn't start the novel and uh, sold the house. He's like, yeah, yeah, I haven't got anywhere with the novel. I better sell the house. I'm in, I'm in some uh, financial strife right now. <laughs> like, um, sorry, demons, it's me, your boy. Um, I'm gonna have to postpone the great American novel. Uh, life for the living has happened. Uh, we will adjourn in twenty years when the moon is at its highest. I imagine that's where he went with that. Um, but it's. Fascinating. He bought like the haunted house. He's been on actual treks for the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like he said, he's he, he said he's an Anglophile. He sort of loves you know England and stuff like that. So, and I always love that story of him just going into a pub in Glastonbury and like New Year's Eve. Like, mm. if you live in Glastonbury, and obviously Glastonbury is for those who don't know a place where in England where just weird things happen is kind of. Um, the heart of like the, the hippie land. Um, the chance of you seeing Nicolas Cage on any given day is low, but it's never zero. <laughs> <laughs> For that reason, I do want to move to. Gl- I know someone who lives in Glastonbury, and um, you know it is it is just a town filled of, with absolutely extreme, extremely like uh, absurd but wonderful, brilliant people. So. I think I'd just love to visit Glastonbury and just breathe the air that Cage has also been uh, huffing up himself as well. So, where, yeah, where should we go next? I've got, a, I've, I've got a couple of questions here that came from, came from Twitter. Um, Daryl Bear from Southern Double Deep kind of asked us four questions. Here. So should we work our way through these? Do you, do you want to read out the first one, Daryl? Have you, have you got that to hand or do you want me to I fire mean, shout you know, I don't think we've ever spoken properly, but shout out to another Daryl. Great name. You know what you're doing. <laughs> um, so, I say sorry if you've been asked these before, but what film would you love to see remade with Nicolas Cage? Have you got something that comes to mind? or? Well, in terms of remakes, um, 
Yeah, and I, and I think I've sort of alluded to this before in terms of a director I'd love to see Nicolas Cage work with, and that is Sam Raimi. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, I love the original trilogy and I've got nothing but love and respect for Bruce Campbell, but I would love to see Nicolas Cage in The Evil Dead. I think that would be just incredible. I think it would be the most extreme thing you've ever seen. Um, the idea of Nicolas Cage, you know, again, wielding a chainsaw but fighting deadites, um, trying to destroy the Necronomicon, I think would be just fascinating. Um, you know, I'm not saying it has to be an extreme remake or like a shot-for-shot shot remake or anything, but put Nicolas Cage in a cabin in the woods, um, you know, as you've seen with Mandy, and I think that's just a recipe for success right there. That's that, 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 yeah, yeah, that would be that would be really interesting. But like, I think I don't know. I don't, has Mandy not covered that ground really? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, what I'm saying is, I want a Mandy sequel. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 We've I know that sort of jumps that. into the next question, but uh, you know, it's an all-encompassing answer. Yeah, that is that is a great one. Yeah. So yeah, if what film deserves a sequel, a man, a Mandy kind of Evil Dead Two style. Do you know what I mean? Like this one, we're going more comedy with it, and it's it's somewhat a remake, somewhat a somewhat a like a continuation of the story and it's going cuckoo bananas would be would be great i think i think for remake i don't know i would like yeah i would love to see him like in a shot for shot remake of the cabinet of dr caligari just because i feel like that would make his that would make his life right kind of that would kind of like yes. make him the happiest man in the world Cabinet of Dr. Kajugari. Yeah. What? It's there for the taking. Apart from that, I'm trying to think. It's, it's, re it's really difficult to kind of, because what do you want to see him do? Do you want to see him do something that is kind of very much in his wheelhouse? Or would it be great to kind of, I don't know, find something like, yes. like a, I think, I think a Jimmy Stewart role. And I, I know he kind of did it with the family man, but I'd love to see, and I know it's kind of sacrilegious to say this, but imagine it's a wonderful life with like cage, like at the center of that, I think would be. Yeah. It's been a while since we've had a cage Christmas movie. Yeah. And kind of cage, like really leaning into that sincerity and kind of i don't know i think i think there's the darkness in that story as well that cage has got within him and can really utilize as well as this kind of i don't know charm like because when he does like if you think of like those early 90s movies like it could happen to you or honeymoon in vegas he's this, yeah he's, he's this kind of charming goof in those movies hmm. and i think i think he kind of does have a <clears throat> sliver of jimmy stewart to him Although he kind of went off on a different path, and then Ty kind of Tom Hanks course corrected him to take on the role of like the the modern J Jimmy Stewart. Like, but yeah, I think I think it's a wonderful life would be great to see Cage in the role, like in the lead. Yeah, I think it's it's been a while since we've had um, and not that he's not ever this, but like you know your your classic charming family man kind of lead role from him. And I don't know if that's the kind of thing that is really interested in at the moment, like the like the feel good sort of family movie. But maybe you know, you know, Cage comes in in forms and seasons, and you know, maybe that season has long since passed. Maybe that's you know not what he wants these days. I mean, he, he's going bloody 
A24 now. That's that's the cage that we're getting. Finally. Um, <laughs> and, you know, with the A24 seal, that's uh, that's a stamp of approval. So, so, so as for as for sequel, prequel, spin-off, you're saying you would like to see... Um, You'd like to see a, a Mandy sequel. That is, 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 is it just that, or have you got anything else kind of on your mind? You know, when I was thinking about this, I mean, I think with Cage, a lot of his films you know, are fairly contained, and, you know, I'm, I'm often happy with, you know, the way a lot of Cage films go. Um, I think spin-off, you know, there could be something in Mandy about Children of the New Dawn. I think, you know, there's a lot of grand... A lot of ground to cover there with Jeremiah Sands as well, potentially. Um, a lot of scope to sort of explore that character a bit more. Him and his bloody robes and his winky and what he's all up to <laughs> in his music career. Um, sequels and prequels. I mean, going back to what we were saying earlier about being disappointed with the way that Next ended, um, you know, that, st- that story did not finish. That story did not finish. We yeah. owed an ending to that. Um, however you want to do it. Prequels? I don't know. That's a difficult one. Yeah. I would like, just because I'd love to see him work with him again, I would love to see some kind of meta sequel to adaptation. Like, I think that would be, that would be absolutely nuts to see. Do you know what I mean? Like the kind of, Mm. like, some kind of I don't I know that Cage probably well I don't know that well at least this time he would only have to play the one role right seeing as Donald Kaufman died at the end of adaptation so he wouldn't have to he wouldn't have to play spoilers the, by the oh, way spoiler uh, <laughs> yeah it, um he wouldn't have to do the dual role but I think that would be that would be really interesting or I don't know as for yeah I think I, I speak for many a Cage fan I would love to see. I'd love to have seen that third National Treasure movie. I'd love to see that. That is something that oh, kind of... Of course. Of course, National Treasure 3. Is in the works. And obviously, yeah, there's there's other stuff like... a se- I would love to have seen a sequel to Connor at the time. I, I think now it's kind of... It's gone past it. I think if we ever see anything happen with the, the Connor franchise, as it would be now, would be like a legacy sequel where, like, I don't know, Cage is like called back as some kind of like advisor. Do you know what I mean? Like the same things happened again. Who's the one man who knows about this? And like it's like, oh, we we know Cameron Poe, and he's like, do you know what I mean? Oh, I said I want to go back, but here I am. Like kind of like <laughs> he's he's all old and disheveled, and like he's kind of like he he's advising. He's almost like the the Larkin to to this because I feel like John Cusack probably. Well, he didn't. Mm. He, did, he didn't. He didn't particularly like the first go round, so I don't think he'd be back for a legacy <laughs> sequel. <laughs> yeah, I, th- oh, I think, or just go the complete opposite direction. Go like full machete and just put Con Air in space. Yeah, that was. I think. I think um, Simon West has said that's the only place it could go next. It would have to be in space. So yeah, yeah. Cage. Yeah. Cage is a. I don't know. The warden of some space prison and shit goes down. I'll, I'll have that. Cameron, yeah. Cameron Poe shipped his family to the moon. He's like, I love you to the stars and back, Casey. So I'm taking you to the moon. 
I mean, I always think about the way Conair ended like the first time his daughter sees him is when he's emerging from the wreckage of Los Angeles covered in blood. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is a feel-good moment, right? <laughs> um, but now he's going to emerge from fucking moon rocks and like, it happened again, by the Um <laughs> So, yeah, I think send it to space. Why the, why the F not? Um, I, I suppose we're talking about prequels as well, or potential prequels. Um, like looking at Drive Angry again, because... They had that whole idea that, like, hell's a giant prison, which I thought, that's a really interesting idea about, you know, you just don't see hell sort of really perceived that way. Yeah. I mean, hell prison. Come on, Hollywood. It was right there. <laughs> you know, how he escaped or his time in hell prison, you know, I think, you know. Yeah, that felt that felt budgetary, right? That kind of really felt like, yeah, we're just going to skirt over all of the hell stuff, like. We're going to skirt over some of the most interesting aspects of this of this world, um, and then just have what's his face fucking fifty fifty grinding a a, a giant fuel tanker <laughs> instead. So you know, um, you take what you can get. The next question Daryl had for us was: Are there any genres you feel like Cage has been underserved in? Like, what what, what do you feel like Cage? I don't know what, what yeah what what does he not do enough of and what would you like to see him do more of I guess hmm. That's a, this is the smart, kind of smart question that only a fellow Daryl could come up with um I don't know because he you know Cage he he does a lot of genres and like we say he doesn't sort of phone it in and he does a lot of stuff well um I mean, I don't know that I particularly say he's been underserved by it, but he he excels in a horror film. Like, he does, mm-hmm. he suits the genre, like, really, really well. I think I saw someone tweet, um, you know, could Cage make claim to be the first, like, horror action star? Um, which I was like, it's got a ring to it. It's got a ring to it. And obviously, you know, we're, we're talking about this with uh, Renfield just... Well, you know, weeks, weeks away. Um, and I know I've said this before, I know if, if Cage was uh, prevalent in, you know, the 30s and 40s, I think he would have been up there with your hammer horror stars and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I think horror is a genre that could have used him a, a long time ago. I think he would have turned a lot of stuff down there in, mm-hmm. the, in the 90s and noughties and all of that. Um like, I'm glad we're getting more of that stuff with him now. I mean, you know, I, th- I think I would have liked to have seen him. I think maybe he had like one more action film in him. I know he, he um, oh God, why can't I not think of it now? You know, the, the big sort of mega action one with like Stallone and all of that. Oh, in. the Expendables. Yeah, he's turned Expendables. that. He's turned that down yes. like every time. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have been fun to see him in an Expendables, but at the same time, I don't think. He needed to do an Expendables. Maybe at his, you know, his 90s heyday um, would one more action movie, I think, would have been a, would have been nice. But, you know, we got we got a lovely three. We got Rock, we got Con Air, we got Face Off. You can't complain. Yeah, you will. You can't spoil. complain at that. Um, I think, I, I think some of it, because he really did kind of spread himself all over the place in his early career. And I think 
I think something we're lacking nowadays, and I think it's probably because we're not we're we're lacking in these kind of films. But I would love to see him in a, like a really sincere and earnest like ro- romantic film, like now. Like I think I think that's something mm. he's he's underserved in, and I think that's probably because we're underserved in. Yeah, that especially with aging actors, like do you know what I mean that that or, or or everything that is kind of romantic is a romantic comedy and kind of made by algorithm for Netflix or whatever. And it's kind of like I don't know. I think I think he's great in like Moonstruck, a really romantic film. He's really great in City of Angels, a kind of like a, 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 like do you know what I mean? Like he, he kind of does he does get that 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 romance. Yeah. Like he's kind of I don't know. He, he feels like he's got those tortured soul characters still in him and he's kind of doing projects that are like that but yeah i would, I would like to see him in i don't know I, I, even i'd like to see him return to rom-coms as well because i think he did some rom-coms in the early 90s which were, were, were fun and he's kind of fun in them so it would be great to see him kind of dip back into that world i know that i don't know like yeah nancy myers is doing a project that kind of just got shelved from netflix but she's shopping that about but I don't know, yeah, imagine Cage in like a kind of as good as it gets or something, like doing like a a, 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 a later day like Jack Nicholson style role or something. Yeah, I think I think Cage in a rom-com would be, would be great or I don't know, yeah, like something, yeah. something like that, something, a light-hearted comedy, do you know what I mean, that is really accessible, I think would be great because yeah. obviously be Unbearable nice. Weight of Massive Talent was, was a comedy, but that felt like it kind of had a couple of layers for the the everyday film watcher to get on board with do you know what i mean it had that meta element to it and it had all these kind of in jokes to know nicholas cage and talking about fandom and felt very modern current whereas yeah you want something i don't know something like yeah like a timeless comedy like i i, I feel like that would be that yeah i'd like to see him in some some more kind of traditional out and out comedy i think would be great yeah. Yeah, I th- I think Cage is always a bit um <clears throat> doesn't get the credit he deserves for a lot of the comedies that he's done and he's doing as well. And I've and I've said it on this very podcast before. One of my favourite Nicolas Cage films is The Weatherman, like a dark comedy, which is mm-hmm. I think one of his most underappreciated uh, appreciated turns as well. So you know, I think what I'm saying is broadly, you know, horror, which we are you know slowly getting more of, and I think just. I think as I was just saying, like comedies as well. He can do comedy very well, and um, I would love to see some more of it. I mean, I know we've got Dream Scenario coming up, which seems like it's going to be in that in that avenue. Um, so you know, the the Lord the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Ask and you shall receive. Um, I guess we'll we'll see what sort of happens with Renfield as well, because I was. And I've said it before. I was expecting that to be a lot more of a a comedy, the way it was mm-hmm. synopsisized, however you want to say that. And then you get the trailer was like, "Oh no, he's a bloody villain! He's yeah. a white bloody villain in this." Hey, see, I reckon, I reckon there's gonna be some laughs. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see that with a with a paying paying public kind of. I I think I think that's one I'll kind of go watch in the cinema just to kind of. Uh, feel the temperature of what like kind of do you know what I mean like is Cage getting the laughs like because I'm, sh- I'm sure that would get like unlimited screenings and stuff like that I'll probably mm. visit one of those and kind of just yeah go, go catch it on, on of an evening just randomly and kind of 
almost watch the audience more than the film as well. Yeah. Like, just to the curse of, of being a Cage fan. It's like, do you like it as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Validate <laughs> me, validate me, please. <laughs> yeah, just like, like that meme in the corner. No one knows I have a Cage podcast. <laughs> Look at sickos. That is what we are. We're bloody sickos, aren't we? They 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 should know, but I'm 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 too anxious to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> the curse. Uh, so let's. Uh, so Daryl had one more question, and it's, it's it's a pretty spicy one, no pun intended. And it is: If Nicolas Cage were a Spice Girl, which Spice Girl would he be, and why? I mean, he can't be Ginger Spice. We have to rule that out. That's a reserved Spice Girl for us in the redhead community. And I don't know why, you know, it, you know, accuse me of not being proud of my country, if you like, but I just don't want to see Nicolas Cage draped in the Union Jack, all right? I don't want to act like I'm burying the war dead here. Um, <laughs> I mean, sporty spice, I don't know, scary. You, know, you could possibly make an argument for scary. Nick's not baby spice. He can't be baby spice. No, I don't mean he's, he's he's never he's never looked like a child, really, has he? Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I mean it if, is if filmed, we were talking he's, about he's he's, he's looked like twenty. Look, even when he's even when he was like seventeen in or eighteen in um, Valley Girl, he looked about twenty five. Do you know what I mean pushing thirty? So like, yeah, yeah, he's, no, 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 but posh. He's not posh. I think by default he's scary spice, and that is just because I think he has to be scary spice. He has to be. I think he'd look great in in an animal print as well. He has to be. He has worn some great animal print as well. I think there's that photo of him in a kind of like. A I was going to say. I mean, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that he does not own some kind of animal leopard print leather jacket or hat or combination. Um, because lest we forget, the man's got drip. Man All right. has drip. The man very much has drip, and it, uh, there, I think there is a there is a frightening quality about him. Obviously, yeah, we're we're about to see him play Dracula. How 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 does anyone be more frightening than play the Lord of <laughs> Darkness himself? <laughs> yeah, I think um, court adjourned. Cage is scary spice. Cage is scary spice. Well, let's hop on over to Instagram, and uh, this is a real peach of a question from Mark Hoffmeyer from Movie Films and Flicks. Which Nicolas Cage movie would be made better with a jet ski action scene? Oh, Mark. Oh, a jet ski action scene. This is one of Mark's kind of favorite things in films. He, he loves jet ski action scenes, if I remember this correctly, kaiju and explosions. So, um, I don't know how it feels like Face Off could have had one because there's a speedboat, there's a speedboat chase. Yeah, I don't think he's been on a jet ski in a film. I was trying to think was I don't think he was in the water in honeymoon in Vegas. I know he did skydiving with with the Presleys and the Elvises. Um, I mean, Left Behind. Why not? Why not throw a jet ski chase scene in there or something when they're chasing? I don't know. Well, I think I think the thing Satan. is, Face Off is a great film. I don't. Do you know what I mean, I'm currently in ninety one, I believe, or ninety three on Rotten Tomatoes. 
I think a film that would be made better, and here's where we kind of go down the table and find something that is kind of sitting in your mid-tier movies and would be made better. I think Primal is on a boat already, and I think if that had a jet ski chase with maybe some kind of aquatic animal getting involved, some kind of shark attack or some kind of like snake on a jet ski, do you know what I mean? And Cage is like... The, the snake gets thrown at him. He lobs it. Snake bites a guy's throat, takes him off one of the jet skis. <laughs> now, it would have been. It would. Have, it would have really yeah. taken that film up a gear and would have would have oh. would have would have really teetered it into top tier Nick Cage movie for me. You know what? I'm having a hard time disagreeing with that. If, it, <laughs> if the twist was that the villain was, you know, fucking three snakes in a trench coat or something <laughs> with a, a fucking briefcase of diamonds. I don't know, whatever you have on a fucking no hell, hell hole the Noah's Ark. Jet skiing around, shark. Was it the bag of shark or something? There's a sh- there's fight flying around with a shark uh, kicking off. I mean, I, I've, you know, for much as I enjoyed Prime, um, Primal, and it's CGI white leopards and all that business. I think it's. I think it could have gone to another gear of absolute insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was missing a jet ski scene. You know what? I think. Yeah, yeah. Three snakes, Nicholas Cage, jet ski, um, just explosions. Why not? Doesn't need to make sense. It's an explosion. I'm going to justify him to you. <laughs> um, yeah, outside of Prime, I think that's. I think that's top tip for me. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, think, that's, yeah, well, I cheers. That's an absolute gold dinger right there. Well, cheers for Mark for the question. Let's go over to my man, Larry Reed, um, at, on Twitter, at Your Move Larry, who asks Nick Cage has been passed over for roles in major movies. What film would you think he would have been the better choice? Hmm. Oh, I mean, Lord of the Rings, Aragorn. Yes, <laughs> yes. Give give me five hour extended cut all films with Nicholas Cage as Aragorn. Give me the Arrow Cage cut, you cowards. Um, like I know he didn't want to be away from his family for that long, but sometimes you think about what could have been. I mean, I know he wasn't exactly passed up for it, but because uh, it went off for different reasons. But I still think, you know, we could have had Nicolas Cage's Joe Exotic. Think about what they took from us. <laughs> um, yeah, Joe Exotic Cage, Aragorn Cage. Um, I think I think he was right to pass over on Shrek. Like, the, like I'm I'm up for Nicolas Cage in anything. Don't get me wrong, but I think about. Shrek with Nicolas Cage's voice, donkey. Um, and you know, I think some some dreams have to die. You know, here's one. Here's one I'm going to throw out there. Uh, again, I think there's a few interesting ones I'm looking at right right now on a kind of list of six movies that you passed up on, and one of them. And I've talked about this before on the podcast because I think I think it's an interesting one, and it's it's one that everyone goes like. What? Cage was up for that? No, he wouldn't have been any good for that. Is Dumb and Dumber as the Jeff Daniels role as as uh, Harry? The uh, Harry or Lloyd? Which one's Lloyd? Lloyd Christmas? Yeah, yeah, Harry, isn't it? It's 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 the it's the Jeff Daniels role, Harry, which I think 
Cage at that point would have would have nailed it. Like, especially the stuff he was coming off of, like, because he wasn't really pigeonholed in anything. And kind of Jeff Daniels had like kind of had a similar career. He wasn't an out and out comedy actor, but had comedy chops as well. Like if you look at like Raising Arizona and yeah, the stuff that Cage was doing in the early nineties, he was doing a lot of comedies. So and yeah, what was it? Around that time you've got Trapped in Paradise, where Cage is not a comedy actor, but he's the strongest comedy performance in that movie. He kind of out comedies Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. Yeah, I mean, was it 94? So that was... Um, just pre... Yeah, Honeymoon pre- in Vegas, guarding Tess. So, you know, he, he, was, he was dipping his toe in the comedy, so I think that would have been a... A, a natural sort of progression from obviously raising Arizona, he proving his comedy chops. So, um, yeah, I think he would have been really good. And it obviously he turned it down to do, uh, leaving Las Vegas. And we all know how that turned out for him. <laughs> um, that, is so. the, that is the thing with all of this is you are just left with the kind of butterfly effect moments like what would he have had to have given up to do those things and it's kind of like it's a tough one because it's like i like the career that he's got even though there is that kind of 2010s period where yeah it's quite patchy but it's like without that period do we get a performance like pig i don't think so i think he has to go through that to get to where he is now to get this kind of career resurgence and kind of thrust like further into the limelight than he has been for a long time and i i really i really like that kind of narrative of his, his career so i don't i don't know if i'd like to kind of i don't know mess around with the sands of time do you know what i mean it's like the it's like the i don't know yeah, yeah you go back and change something like reckon we yeah, we all saw how the butterfly effect uh turned out <laughs> do, do we want that do we want do we want to have to go back to the womb and strangle ourselves no, we don't. I mean, everything led us to Renfield, all right? Everything yeah. led us to this moment. Everything led us to Pig and Mandy. And, you know, as we've discussed ad nauseum on our podcast and with each other, you can't have the highs without the lows as well. And it will go down as you know a storied, fabled career. Every decision, every 2010 movie that we've both watched all led to sort of now. Um, it's like you say, I just don't, I just, you know, what What would you risk? What would you swap out if mm-hmm. you have to, you know, gun to the head? I'm going to have to take the bullet, I'm afraid. <laughs> I think you have to, you're going to have to pull that trigger, my friend, I'm afraid. So I can't, I can't make that choice. I really can't. Great. So let's, let's kind of, yeah, go over to Twitter and look at some of the questions there on the kind of, uh, the first post I did and we'll start off with well yeah I imagine our screens look the same so we'll start off with James Rodriguez uh at Rodders J04 on Twitter yeah um his question is if Nicolas Cage played a horror villain that was the face of a franchise what would be his signature weapon hmm well I reckon I reckon you could you could change the the Ghost Rider mythology and have him as as a villain, like that. Use that character in, as a villain. I think. I think. And and 
what better kind of weapon than flaming piss that we see in Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance? Like, that's I mean, memorable. to be fair, what what movie's done it before? What money, <laughs> movie's done it since? No one's had the stones to do it. No one's no, 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 they've no. all fried off from the hot <laughs> urine bubbling away. Because as we all know, urine is stilled in the balls. Um, yeah, I think hot piss, a flaming chain. Um, I think, you know, it's weapon of the streets, the chain. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I've never been in a fight. Don't, don't at me. Um, I think the, the chain, there's some damage with it. There's the old little ch- chunk McGee that's wrapping it around the fist and fucking leathering some can. Um, because, you know, machete's been done, the knife's been done. I mean, I think he would probably have a hand in the weapon because he's, I think he's um, sort of outspoken on not being a fan of, like, the slasher style of horror film. So mm-hmm. I th- you'd probably say something like, I can't really relate to knives. Um, I think he's a spork probably more effectively than a knife, I think. Flaming spork. Yeah, or he just uses his—he just uses his words. That's that—that's how he gets you. He just kind of—he's—he's—he's—he's—he's like, he's, he's actually just getting in in your brain and talking to you. It's kind of—he's—he's—I he's, don't know—or—or—he or, or takes your face off. Like that's it. He just—he's he, just got a big machine that lasers your face off, and he takes it and wears it. That's that's his that's his that's his. Weapon of choice. Uh, it's, it's the thinking man's leather face is our cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the new generation, am I right? The Texas, Texas Cage Saw Massacre. You're welcome. <laughs> do you wanna do you wanna lead us off with the next question, Daryl? Um, so we had a question from uh, the good folk over at Diabolical Evil Schemes Done Better podcast asking uh, aside from the ones they got, what are some roles in FFC films that would have suited Nick Cage, Talia Shire, Jason Schwartzman? So yeah, we're 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 recasting a Francis Ford Coppola film, Nick Cage in it, and we can we we can throw in Talia Shire and Jason Schwartzman. I guess this is this is more aimed at the kind of the the, the new path of of my podcast. So I guess Nick Cage. I I think. I think I've kind of talked. I've I've ever talked about this personally or or online. I would have loved to have seen Nicolas Cage play um, Vincent in The Godfather Part Three, the Andy Garcia role. I know that he kind of auditioned for that role and didn't get it, but yeah, I'd, I would love. I, I I would love to see Cage within the Godfather mm. universe. So like him as him as that Andy Garcia character, I think would have been. Would have been quite interesting. I mean, I'm just sort of having a a, a scan on um, Google now at some of the films. I mean, you know, I know it would be very easy to say. I think Dracula's a bit of a cop out answer um, because we're, we're getting it. I but mean, he would I have think... been great. I think he would have been great as the Keanu Reeves role as well. I think oh, he yeah. would have. He, he he could have. I think he would have. I don't know if he would have nailed the English accent either, like because Keanu Reeves does not. <laughs> I mean, if his English accent, very briefly, National Treasures Two is anything to go by. Um, Hello, Gavner. Um, but then, then it just makes me think of a universe where 
Nicolas Cage starred in the Keanu Reeves films and Nicolas Cage was John Wick. That's where my, my mind has gone in, in, in immediately there. Um, I mean, what more? Why have we got a bit? I mean, Jack, maybe? I mean, what was it? 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, they don't know what they're talking about. They <laughs> um, don't know what the fucking clue. Um, I don't think that film's aged well. No. No. I'm trying to think when the last time I saw that film was, and I think I was a lot younger when it probably made more sense. Um, what we got here is what we got. No. Apocalypse Now, maybe, I think. Yeah, some of it is like he would have been too young, right? Apocalypse Now, he just would have been, he just would have been too young. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean... And you can make an argument for quite a few of these films. Um, the hmm. Rainmaker. He probably he probably could have been good as uh, the the Matt Damon role in that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. This is this is what I mean, though. I mean, you know, I want to live in a world where. Nicholas Cage is in every movie, so my cop-out answer is all of them <laughs> because I'm a coward and I can't commit to answers. And as for as for Jason Schwartzman and Talia Shire with this question, I just feel like it's like Jason Schwartzman hasn't been old enough to be in a Francis Ford Coppola film, really, and especially ones like I have. I hold my hands up here. I haven't seen any of Francis Ford Coppola's post twenty two thousands movies. So I don't know how he would fit into those, and there's a couple of blind spots for me because I'm saving them to to do on the po- on, on the podcast when I do them. I don't know. I guess um, Talia Shire. She's great in everything she's in, so she could have yeah, she could have she could have popped up. But like, I don't know. I think one of the things that Francis Ford Coppola is really good at is casting people, and like, he's yeah. Like, uh, I, I don't know where they could have slotted in. Those two, at least, I know, are in Megaropolis. Cage, unfortunately, is not. I know it was rumoured for a, for a period, which would have been an absolute peach, right? To see Cage um, Cage with Uncle Francis once again. Which I mean, could... FFC, he, he's a coward. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> he's a coward. I suppose going through his IMDb, I'm sort of quickly realising that I have a, um, a lot of blind spots in the old Francis Ford filmography you got yourself a film podcast um <laughs> yeah just a lot a lot of blind spots there but um you know put cajun megalopolis or fucking like that one of those films i've got the big casts in them you cowards mm-hmm. so that's, uh, that, that's my answer my answer is there is no answer because I, it turns out i've seen none of his bloody movies <laughs> so next up we've got russell bailey who asks which one Nicolas Cage product that never happened would you wish had gotten made? It's Superman Lives, right? This kind of it's Superman we, Lives. Next question. We, yeah, yeah. Do we, let's, uh, <laughs> let's 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 yeah. Let's. If James Gunn has got the stones, if he's got the stones, his Superman Legacy film is going to star Nicolas Cage. Yes, please. Or if it's Legacy, someone's taken over the mantle. Just have Cage is the the, the old. Old Superman, like yeah, or or his or his dad at least, you know, Mister Mister Kent on the farm, or... or or like 
Tom Cruise has recently said that The Flash is amazing. It must be because Nicolas Cage is in it as Superman, right? It must be. I mean, that's the only reason I'm going to go and watch it. <laughs> in the desperation that Cage does turn up in a cameo. Because it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say this enough. It's the hope that kills you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so this is this is kind of topical, this one. So if he were to join the MCU, what character would you want him to play? And I, I guess this kind of comes off the back of Nick Cage with an absolute barnstormer of an answer at a, a Q&A where he was asked, like, would you want to, yeah, we need to get you in the MCU. And he's like, I don't need to be in the MCU. I'm Nick Cage. <laughs> I, I mean, it's kind of like every actor sort of, I think every actor's got some contractual obligation to be in some kind of MCU project at the moment. Part of me like almost doesn't want him to be in it because I sort of put that clip on my TikTok page for the podcast and honestly, it's just... The comment section, 95% of the comment section is just people arguing about whether or not he's actually in the MCU. And I'm, I'm sorry, like, I, I love me a superhero film. I'm not quite burnt out yet. I'm getting there, but not quite there. But the fandom can fuck off. I'm sick of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm absolutely sick of it. Just enjoy films and shut up. Yeah, I had, I had a tweet kind of go, like go a bit on yeah it's got sem- semi-viral like the fact that people i didn't know were replying and people going wow when 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 the multiverse is real uh, you, you'll, you'll find that ghost rider is now canon so he is in the mcu it's like the way we're looking at this is the mcu is a very specific thing of when it was created and the fact that it is this kind of marvel studios projects that kind of are all encompassing that is not the case with Ghost Rider. They're, they're, they're Sony movies. They're not to do with, he's not in the MCU. And like Ghost Rider is not a part of that. It's pre-MCU. And it's kind of like, they were just, they were just what they were. Do you know what I mean? The Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie does not become canon when they do a multiverse. You could say that about anything. You could say that any movie in the mood for love becomes mcu canon because uh, and any movie could be mcu canon at that point do you know what i mean because in the multiverse there's every single fucking possibility so fuck you guys fuck you with your your bullshit like oh it's actually become canon it wouldn't it wouldn't spider-man into the spider-verse not not mcu it's a sony animation pictures it's not it's not the mcu i think i think i have to sort of take that you know that um that Keanu Reeves answer is like, I'm at a point in my life where if you believe two plus two equals five, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. Just like what, tie yourselves out, have a nap, and he's not in the MCU. Grow up. Yeah. Just stop it. So on please. on that note, who who would you like to see him as in the MCU? Ghost Rider. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think he would have to be sort of one of the, you know what, fuck it, Galactus. Galactus after after Kang they're, they're gonna have to have their next big bad, big bad Galactus is the devourer of worlds they need someone with stature uh grandeur and you know what make him make him the MCU's next big bad why not 
And he's made reference to it in Mandy, right? He talks about Galactus when they're talking about the planets and what's their favorite planets, and he says Galactus. So, see, the seeds are out there. The Nick Cage multiverse is real. So, I yeah, I don't know. I I, I kind of I would like I would like I like them to do kind of one shot movies where they're just kind of standalone. So I guess it wouldn't be the MCU, but like or like uh, yeah, like an Elseworld like they're doing with DCEU or whatever. Do like a a grizzled older Punisher and have Nick Cage play play the Punisher. I'll have that. I'll have that movie, please. Yeah, yeah, just just something gritty, or just make him an absolute colossal big bad. One or the other, little one shot thing, or um... one shot, or he is seeded throughout the whole of like. Do you know what I mean like? I don't know, fucking phase seven to nine or whatever, and then he kind of fucks everything up and eats the world whole, and then it's like, oh, we'll hop to another multiverse and start the whole thing again. Yeah, the Marvel reset is coming. This Nicolas Cage is going to be the one to bring it into fruition, people. Mark my words. Right, and then this one is a very tough question, uh, which I might save for the end because it feels like a kind of end question, so we'll bookmark that. but. Another question that Russell Bailey has at Russ Loves Movies uh, is is very much in his wheelhouse. He hosts the Not Just For Kids podcast. So he said, would you have Nicolas Cage voice a character in a Pixar, Leica, Ghibli, or Illuminations flick? Which one are you going for? Which kind of animated powerhouse would you like to see him voice a character in, Daryl? You know what? I think Ghibli... Yeah, I think I think a Ghibli's made for a Nicolas Cage. Yeah, so I think, you know, I think he of anyone he's going to have an appreciation for that sort of animation style, the stories that they tell, um, and with how you know sort of fantastic all those films can get as well. I think they go hand in hand. Um, again, like I'm just exposing myself here. Ghibli's a lot of Ghibli's a blind spot for me. It's been on it's been on the to watch list for so long. I just never, never got round to it. But um, you put Cage in there as like a talking, I don't know, bin or something. <laughs> that I'm, I'm all over it. I think I'd love to see him in a studio like a movie, just because I'd love to see him as like a stop motion animation character. Just like this kind of imagine him in like box trolls or. Or Paranorman or something like that. Yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to see. I'd like to see him work with those guys because I think they're kind of doing. Yeah, they did Coraline, so I think they 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 do kind of offbeat, slightly macabre projects. That I think. I don't know if they kind of did like Edgar uh, Ed, Edgar Allan Poe stories for kids almost, and kind mm. of have have or Edgar Allan Poe is a character in one of their stories and have Cage voice him and like. That I think that would be pretty great as like, or, or as he gets older, being like a Vincent Price s character. You can imagine him the way he's like kind of elongated face and stuff like that. I think Cage would do a great little like, yeah, little claymation oh. puppet would look would look fantastic. Yes, definitely. And then we go to Civico Road to Avatar at Avatar Pod on Twitter, who ask, "What role would you cast Nicolas Cage in the Avatar franchise?" Um, I'm going to jump off with this and say I don't know. I, I I barely know any names of any characters from 
the Avatar franchise, and that and I've seen both films. I saw I saw Way of Water in IMAX on the twenty seventh of December, twenty twenty two, and I realised walking out of that screening, I I don't know which actors played which roles, and then looked on looked online and was like, I don't remember the character names. So this is not helping me at all. So. I don't know. Do you want to see him as a human or do you want to see him as a bluey gooey guy? I'm going to say something slightly controversial here. I hate Avatar. <laughs> I and, and apologies, Sirico. You know, I don't. I don't mean to desecrate what you do, um, but I hate Avatar so much. I hate it. I hate it. I saw. I watched the first film when it came out, and everyone was like, oh, 3D, 3D, 3D. Uh, you can see the blue people fucking right in front of your face, the way they interlock their tails. All it was is that blue people looked around at stuff and smiled like they were just fucking gurning in high, and they were fucking each other. It was basically like... I, 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 and then there was like a scene with like a, a water drop fell off a leaf, and people just got fucking rock hard over it. And I watched it, I was like, I, I don't know what happened. The only thing I enjoyed about Avatar was that there was a meme where like one of the blue things fell off of like a spaceship, which I found very funny because I like the idea of them falling. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm a sick, twisted individual. I want Nicolas Cage nowhere near the Avatar franchise. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I don't like it. I will never, ever watch the second or the third or the fourth films. I think what pissed me off is like... You know, the first Avatar film did really, really well. Fine, cool. Like, I I don't, you know, hate on people who enjoy the films that they enjoy. It's a subjective medium. This is just my opinion. If you enjoyed Avatar, more power to you. Absolutely fine. It was like, oh, Avatar's like the next big thing. And mm-hmm. then it takes like 30 years to make the sequel. Yeah. Eat my fucking ass, James Cameron. <laughs> Fuck you. Get lost. And everyone's going, like, oh, the water splashed really nice. Like, ooh. Shut up! <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, if I think, you like it, that's great. But I don't like it. Cage, stay away, please. Yeah, I think I think the thing that would the fear, the fear that it would be for me is it would take him away from other projects for too long. Yeah, because they kind of seem to take years, and like it really shows you like how long an Avatar movie takes. Because I recently watched. Uh, scream six and that has a cat that has one of the actors who is in avatar 2 um and the actor's name is oh why can't i why can't i find it look at this terrible oh jack champion that is it he's in he is in uh scream six and he's also in avatar 2 as the character spider and he he is like fourteen in Avatar Two. He is like a twenty year old man in <laughs> in Scream Six. It looks like a completely different actor, and it is insane. Yeah. It is insane. So I don't know. I I would be scared for Cage to 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 dip in his toe into the Avatar franchise. It would it would take him away from all these weird and wonderful little projects he does. But I don't know yeah. if you're going to cast him. Having one as the one of one of the miscellaneous blue guys, I guess one one who objects to the one who objects to what they're doing and then comes around in the end and goes, "You know what? You might you might have a point here." 
let's let let's just do it. Let, let's just do it, Sully. Okay, let's let, let let's go with your plan. You ever tried fucking with a tail? <laughs> <laughs> so oh, what, a, what a nonsense. So here, here, here's a question from Charlotte Nichols um, on Twitter who asks, what are the bad films where Nicolas Cage gives a great performance and the good films which really doesn't suit or he's perhaps unbalanced? Um, it says, the reason I ask, for example, Vampire's Kiss on first watch was all, all about Nick's performance in a terrible film, but I've watched it too many times and i love that film too so i'm kind of i don't know it's i don't quite understand the question so i guess we'll pick it apart so yeah what other bad films where he gives a great performance i guess would be the first part of that yeah well i suppose a bad film with a good cage performance and we've we've touched upon this already first one to my mind is and maybe not for the right reasons uh deadfall yeah I, I, i mean when we want to talk about you know, the, the, absolute, the absolute drudgery of what Deadfall is. We, we said it before on the podcast episode, if he wasn't in that film, you know, there wouldn't be anything about it worth watching. Um, you know, I, I suppose looping back to the prequel question, let's have a prequel about Eddie, about Deadfall early. Now, that, there's a movie I want to watch. There's a character I want to know more about. Um, and honestly, and I think we said this before as well, if you just, the best thing about Deadfall, you just go into YouTube and just Google all of YouTube, all of Nicolas Cage's scenes, and it will make more sense than Deadfall actually makes. Um, because there's a lot of, you know, sort of cage rage moments, excuse the pun. Um, he's got a wig on. He's just doing a silly little voice. Um, it It elevates it from... A zero percent film to a one percent film, um, which is saying a lot considering how bad Deadfall actually is. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that movie three or four times, so I would bloody know. Um, I think that's that's the one that jumps out to me. Not that I'm saying that people should put themselves through Deadfall, but I am also saying that well, as well. One hundred percent. It's worth it for Cage's <clears throat> performance. A lot. It's kind of, and I guess the second part of this question is what what film is Cage kind of miscasting? Which I think is an interesting one, like, because, mm. I don't know, is he kind of, I, I, I guess, again, it kind of falls back onto what we're talking about, what we talked about earlier with kind of a bad Nicolas Cage film. And I think he's miscast in Left Behind. I just don't think he brings anything to that. But I think it's a thank, that role is a thankless task. So I don't think anyone who was in that role would be able to give it the, some gravitas that the film wants and i don't even know if it wants that i just think it's a thankless task for him to be in that at all and it Mm. would be for anyone like i don't know i don't i don't know if he's wildly miscasting anything really i don't know i guess some people would argue ghost rider perhaps but i don't know I i think for the time he was the right fit for that for that role he kind of makes a role his own right a lot of the time so kind of nothing jumps out as him being massively miscast yeah i think he he brings something unique to all the films he's in i mean i suppose there's one or two films that you could argue that just because the film overall isn't great 
that arguably you could have cast anyone in the role and you probably wouldn't have had a much different outcome. You know, like Left Behind, I sort of think of The Runner as well. I mean, that was, you know, I'm not a massive fan of sort of political dramas in general anyway. So I think it's one of those where anyone could have been sort of cast in the role and it wouldn't really have made it much better Mm -hmm. than anything else. I mean, I suppose good. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think there's an argument that he's justified in most films that he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those would be the only two for me, really. Um, I think not necessarily that I say he's outright gives a bad performance. I think my justification would be: is there a film that doesn't really serve Nicholas Cage? Mm-hmm. All that have no detriment to him that anyone could have done, and it wouldn't have changed the outlook or trajectory of the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think the only way that one sort of works for me, um, yeah, I think like Ghost Rider, he was, he was the he was the right pick at the right time. Mm-hmm. Everything else. And to Charlotte's third point, like, is there a film that you've had a kind of like? change of heart on like one that you were kind of lukewarm on and you've kind of grown on as time has gone on you know so i will i will say six i know that's kind of like almost like a third question a film that i didn't really i suppose get when the first time that i watched it and maybe this is something more just not being too familiar with the works of the directing the first time i watched wild at heart like i was like I don't really. Yeah, what is it? What, yeah. what? What is this? What? What am I watching here? What's going on? Why is Willem Dafoe wearing tights on his head? Why is he got? <laughs> no, why is he all gum? Where's his teeth? Um, I wasn't sort of massive on Wild at Heart. That one sort of grown on me over time. Um, another film you will champion until the end of days. Red Rock West. Like I liked it, but I didn't mm-hmm. love it at the time. Um. And I'll say one that I've been meaning to go back to because I didn't, I wasn't as enamoured with it as everyone else was, was Moonstruck at the time as well. I know a lot of people, you know, hide that, hold that on such a high pedestal. So Moonstruck is one I need to revisit. It's one of those films where the first time for me, you know, you get those films sometimes when you watch it and you're like, I feel like my opinion is wrong. Mm. Um, Yeah, I, I, I think Moonstruck is like that for me. That's one I'm like, due a kind of rewatch on and just the, the fact of like i just thought it was fine and i think some of it as well he said i was doing the podcast a lot of the time it was like a first time watch for me and i could i hadn't really figured out my voice on it so i kind of didn't know really what to look for and like do you know what i mean it's like i'm almost like i don't know especially for me it's like i'm always poking fun at these films unfairly and I feel like I should, I, I want to go back and like revisit some of those earlier films. I think, I think Birdie is one that I watched and kind of like have gone back to. And I was like, this is actually really great. This is like a really nice early performance, great kind of lead performances from Cage and Matthew Modine. Like that's one that like time away from it, I kind of like it more. You know what I mean? And there's like, mm. 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's one that's grown on me. Vampire's Kiss is one that definitely grew on me. I think first time I watched that, I was kind of like you know, a bit of a snotty teenager and just like it was a what the fuck watches. And then each time I watch that, I I pick up on something new and interesting. And I think it's like it's re- it's really current in what it's saying about like culture and stuff like that. Kind of. I think it's aged really, really well and kind of feels like a film out of its time. And I think the older I get, the more I come to appreciate Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, I, th- I think like everyone, we all watch Vampire's Kiss first, like ironically, like, oh, this is going to be really bad. And then you watch it more and you're like, eh, you know, actually, yeah. actually. Um, it's like an acting I, I, masterclass as well. <laughs> it's you know this is one of the films that's going to be uh studied in generations to come um yeah like you i don't think i watched birdie with the right lens or mindset the first time i watched it i think going into the podcast and sort of finding my sort of podcasting voice as well with these first films when i suppose likewise cage was still sort of discovering himself just to seem this completely different like young and in these arty drama Uh films i was like I couldn't get my head around it, like what I was really watching here. So, Birdie's one that I need to revisit. Um, and as I said about Moonstruck as well, um, got to go sort of revisit that. Um, yeah, I just, I just think ones that have grown on me over time. I was one that I was thinking of, and it's just absolutely jumped out of my head. Um, oh, bringing out the dead. Um, I did not enjoy that the first time I watched it. I didn't, did not care for it. Um, and as, as, as the podcast episode recorded will sort of be indicative of that as well. But again, that's another one that, that, I've, that and Moonstruck are two are like, I feel like my opinion on those is wrong. Not that I'm trying to fit in, um, you know, and, and be mm-hmm. a sheep on it to sort of popular consensus, but it's one I'm like, I just feel those are two that I need to revisit. I just think I would view them differently now. Some some time has gone on now. I've in, in devoured more of the Cage filmography. So and sometimes like watching them for pleasure as opposed to like quote unquote work. Do you know what I mean? Doing a podcast. It's yeah. Like, it's like watch ten minutes, pause, make notes. That's not the way to watch a bloody film, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Films have been ruined for people, I guess. Yeah, I think I I, I think that about covers covers those questions. So. I think what we'll do now is we'll quickly rattle through some of these NGL questions. Then we'll, we'll we'll head on over to Instagram for the last last batch on there, and then end on the the question from Russell. So let's just rattle through these: uh, cats or dogs, Daryl? Oh, I've got both. I can't answer that. Uh, my first son was a cat. My second son is a dog. Um, I've historically been a dog man. So this is no indication that I love my sons more or less than one or the other, but historically my family has been a dog person. So it's 50, 51, 49 to dog. All right. I'm not happy about that answer. <laughs> um, I'm kind of, I have neither. Um, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm agnostic. I don't, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really, I'm not really here to fight. You You're huh? a coward. You're a coward. I'm a dog man. That's what I am. If I have to pick one, I'm a dog man. He's right? got that dog in him. Yeah, I've had, I've had, a, I've, I've had a cat. It fucking hated me and pissed in my room. So, no thank yeah. you. Didn't um, respect you. This one, I'm, I'm, <laughs> this question, um, 
Well, yeah, I'm kind of worried about. It's, it's like it's like they, whoever asked this question, which I, I think is a bot. Um, it's like it's trying to turn this podcast into the Joe Rogan experience because it says, "How do you feel about COVID?" Um, well, should we should we should we ignore that question altogether, Daryl? Uh, loved it. I absolutely loved it. Could go for another round of it. <laughs> um, bring back furlough. Um, getting paid to do nothing was my dream. Um. Your last song on Spotify. Again, feels like a bot question, but no, let me pull it up right now. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I can tell you, I can tell you the, exactly the last song I listened to. And I'll explain why I've listened to this song. Um, just a few days ago, I saw Tim Heidecker live. Oh, nice. Uh, sort of like Tim and Eric, but he's got like his own sort of like stand up and like his music as well. Um, and there was a song that he sort of finished on, uh, basically back in 2013, he had like a comedy country rock band called the yellow river boys. And they've got a full album out. Um, and every song on the album is about piss. Um, and the first track of the album is called hot piss. Uh, go and listen to it. This is a song that exists. Um, I ironically love it. So the last song I listened to on Spotify was hot piss by the yellow river. Uh, Yellow River Boys. <laughs> uh, mine, my, mine is Girlfriend is Better by the Talking Heads. I was listening to it just before we jumped uh, on Zoom. I've been, been on a real Talking Heads kick uh, recently, so yeah, I, I, I listened to that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gutted. I was going to go see Tim Heidecker, but um, I just, I, I, I just couldn't make it work. I've had, I've had such a busy week and didn't want to, didn't want to cancel plans on people. And it's like, oh man, it looked like such a great show. And a uh, friend of the podcast, Molly McGuinness, ended up on stage at the Manchester show. He he like, pulled her up on stage and made her like sit down, stand up, and like do do weird things. It was like, this is absolutely insane. So yeah, Molly, if you're listening. It was like if a you're real listening. I am so jealous right now. It's like a star is born moment right there. <laughs> Incredible. Um, one thing you can't survive without, Daryl. Oxygen, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, I don't know what this means. Whose location do you have? I have my location. My enemies. I know where they are at all times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have them. I have them on the lock and key. Yeah. This feels like this feels like they're trying to build up some kind of like, like you said it when we were discussing this, but they're building up a profile about us to kind of I don't know clone us. I don't know what they're trying to do to do with this information, but it feels like it feels damning. Yeah. Um. How, how old do you want to be when you get married? Was it? Was this your? Was this your girlfriend, Daryl? <laughs> I don't know. Trying to get some information out. Of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, eighty-five. Eighty-five. <laughs> drop dead on the altar and ruin it for everyone. Let's go. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to get married. Sorry to disappoint whoever asked that question, or some bot who's never going to listen to this anyway. Um, next question: opinion on birds. You got an opinion on birds? Never seen a bird I like the look of. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I don't know. I'm a seagulls of the devil in disguise. I saw a seagull eating like a blackbird corpse once. Never think that sticks with you. Don't like seagulls. I was I was once eating a bagel in Brighton, and a seagull. I think it went down to get the bagel, but I'd moved it, 
and it's like I don't know how to describe them, but it's feet. Are they feet? What are they like? Uh, oh, bird flappers. It they grazed the top of my head, and they felt <laughs> like smooth and wet and horrible and kind of really gross. It felt sticky yet smooth at the same time. It was it was a very ple- unpleasant experience that I would not like to repeat. And yeah. a seagull once took a donut out of my hand and cut my thumb whilst doing it. I, I nicked my thumb. So, but yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Don't uh, care. Don't I'm, care for him. No, Ugh, not a bird man. Um, <laughs> what was your worst day ever, Daryl? I don't know. I think for me, it's it's any day that there's not a new Nicolas Cage film. It's the, yeah. it's the worst day. When, when when there's a new Nicolas Cage film out, it's the best day ever. Apart from that, it's all it's all pain and misery. I don't know. Going to going to one of those toilet cubicles at Leeds Festival and sitting down and committing to the business and realizing there's no mm-hmm. toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. That's like, well, what, what what do I do now? Um. That's happened at a nightclub before I sat down, committed to the business, and there was no toilet paper. I'm not going out to the toilet guy. Um, <laughs> so long story short, I went home with one sock that night, moving swiftly <laughs> on. Right, let's um, yeah head over to these last couple of Instagram questions, and they're all from the podcast Nobody Asked For. Ian and Graham over there have asked, which actor is currently on track to be the next Nicolas Cage? I mean, I think you, you look at the people who are just doing interesting things, and I think like your Robert Pattinsons, your Daniel Radcliffe's—they're all just doing interesting things. No, no two things like quite alike. Obviously, discounting a, a Batman sequel and all of that, but um, you know, you just you just you just gotta respect it. They've both come from big franchises, you know. You. Both, both in a Harry Potter, you know, a Twilight as well, um, and then they're just doing anything and everything that's just different from that, and I find mm-hmm. that very exciting. Um, you know, not resting on your laurels. Um, not saying that actors would do such a thing. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon it's like a Robert Pattinson, maybe like a Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know. He feels like he's he's always doing weird and interesting things. He's happy to jump into bed with Michael Bay and make ambulance. He's also in a remake of Roadhouse, which feels like a kind of like it's like who's got who's got something on him, like uh, Amazon to make him kind of sign up for that, which feels like a kind of damned project from the get go. So, and it kind of feels like a I don't know, like a cage, yeah, like a like a cage move somewhat. Maybe like I don't know, maybe he's Jake Gyllenhaal's under some financial strain. <laughs> I thought he just he just seems like he's he's doing that UFC film at the moment, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So he's you know he's getting ripped for that. He's just doing stuff. Seems I don't know. I think Taylor Swift wrote a song about him once. So does that mean he's a bad man? He's one of those bad boys. I don't know. It's not for my, not for me to cast aspersions. I don't want to get pinned with a libel suit here. So I'll say allegedly, allegedly. I don't know. Allegedly stinky. I don't know. He seems nice to me, but what do I know? Let's let yeah. Let's not let's not um, evoke Swifties after us either. Like I don't I don't know enough about that to uh, to comment. I'm I'm afraid. Um, the next question I have is I guess this is aimed 
specifically at me is which other ideas aside from copa connections uh did you have after you got through all the nicholas cage films um my initial plan was to just do an infinite loop of watching every nicholas cage film and just have a different guest each time as i go through nicholas cage films forever and ever and ever until the sun burns out and uh, yeah that that was the only other idea i had which is or at one point, I don't know. I was going to do. I wanted. I was going to do a Tom Cruise podcast, and then have a gimmick that every time he runs on screen, uh, so every individual time you see him, not every time the camera cuts, whatever. Every scene in which he he started running, I would put that on to a spreadsheet and figure it out, and then at the end of each film, I would run the corresponding amount of times he did kilometers on a treadmill. And see how much, how much, how fit I got from watching Tom Cruise films. That was that was an idea I had once. Maybe I'll do that at some point. Just as a Jesus, what an effort! An impetus to get fit. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> absolute cruise control. I get back. Nobody's thought of that one, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it exists, but they don't have that weird, unique angle. Um, and I guess, I guess, an idea you had after covering all Nicolas Cage films is something that is 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 coming to pass right at some point <laughs> well <laughs> it feels like it's been about 10 years since we made this Twitter page for it but willem defoe it, it this isn't like an angle it's not a bit it is coming getting mm-hmm. defoe you is coming um and i feel i feel like we we have to say it like every other month but that bloody thing called life keeps getting in the way yeah. but we are fully committed to doing it we are going to knuckle down and work out the dates that we're both free and commit to the recording. By the year 2028, you will have one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Even um, if it's just an intro episode, you will get something, I promise. Right, let's answer the question that Russell posed to us, which was, you can only save three Nicolas Cage films. What are you saving? Let's quick fire these. Daryl, how do you want to do this? Do you want to do your free? I do my free. Or do you want to bounce back and forth? Pick three films each. Oh, God, I feel like I'm just going to have to say something without thinking. Uh, uh, Vampires Kiss Mandy Pig. But that then I'm going to I'm going to commit to those before I regret them and panic and change them. Um, I'm going to go uh, one from different decades here. So I'm going to go... Raising Arizona, Connor, pig. There you go. That's that's my friend. So pig's definitely getting saved. Pig, pig, pig saved. Yeah, pig, pig saved. So yeah, there are there are free picks for for films that we would save, and the rest is in the bin. Um. So yeah, that's that's all we have. Oh look, let's look at that bag. Yep, rustle it out. It's all empty. Thank you so much, guys, for submitting a question for this. Even you bots out there, thank you for getting into your circuit boards and tapping away. I don't know how it works with bots, but, yeah, thanks for putting letters together to ask us questions that got us absolutely nowhere in the journey that we are making. Um, And thank you, Daryl, for coming along and kind of sharing this mailbag experience for me. It was a... It was a, it was a, it was a new one, but it was a, it was a, it was a fun old ride, buddy. Always a pleasure, never a chore. 
Um, you know, it's uh, nice, something a bit different. I have to use my brain. I feel like I've not used my brain in months. Uh, so it was nice to have to remember how to think about things again. So podcasting in cage, keeping us alive for another day on this spinning mortal coil we call Earth. So what, like, what, yeah, what can people look forward to with you doing? You've kind of brought the podcast back in a, in, in, in some form, revisiting Nicolas Cage films. Is that right? Uh, well, in terms of my podcast, Cage Range, or Nicolas Cage podcast, and I suppose as we were sort of a, touching on a previous question there, um, I am slowly but surely uh, revisiting some of the early episodes of the podcast where we sans guest just to try and do some more justice to films like I didn't feel got quite the attention they deserve, films I may have changed my opinions on. So not too long ago, um, I was joined by a friend of mine, Rob Jones. We were talking about Vampire's Kiss. Um, thought it was appropriate ahead of Renfield coming out. Um, and there'll be some more of the uh, earlier Cage works, um, some sort of 90s and before stuff I'll be revisiting as well. Um, and then outside of that, Again, it's it's not a joke. It's a thing that does exist in our minds. Getting the foe is coming. Um, and we're going to hash out the dates, get the guests sorted. We will commit to it. And in the next five years, um, ho, 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 you, you keep your calendars clear. It's coming. I swear <laughs> it. Amazing. Where can people find you if they want to keep up to date with everything you're doing with the pods? So if you feel so inclined, no pressure. I'm on Twitter at cage underscore podcast. Uh, I'm on Instagram at cage rage pod. Uh, you can find me on TikTok as well. All the usual streaming services, uh, your Apples, your Spotify's, your pod chasers. And, uh, you know, if you feel so inclined as well, you can find us over on um at DefoeUPod as well, D-A-F-O-E-Y-O-U-P-O-D, uh, coming soon um, as we get to know Willem Defoe in a dedicated Defoe podcast. Amazing. And if you'd like to find everything that I'm doing, you're listening to this here podcast right now, remember to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to this. Right now, leave a five-star rating and review. And as ever, please let me know what you think. Bill Murray says to Scott Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation. As for socials, you can find me on everything from Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, and TikTok, all at Caged in Pod. Or if you'd like to drop me an email, you can do so. And the email address is cagedinpod at gmail dot com you can always like if you want to if you want to just something for an inevitable future mailbag episode reach out on any of those and i'll kind of bookmark all of those and put them to one side and i, I can get to them eventually and i'll do that maybe with that ngl as well and kind of get your questions and hold them back just in case we ever have to revisit this subject if if there is if there is life complications and i'm sans guest uh with something kind of solid in the bank but yeah we'll be back next week on the podcast where i'll be joined by james king of uh, bbc radio 2 fame a uh, great author 
of kind of film books. It did an amazing book about Keanu Reeves, and it's also done a film, uh, done a book about kind of teen movies. And he will be joining me to discuss Sophia Coppola's debut feature, her 1999 film, The Virgin Suicides. So please do join me next week for that. And as ever, guys, I've been Petros Patsilovus. I've been caged in. You've been amazing. And I'll catch you next time. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.